Amen. It is good to be in Greenbrier, Arkansas today. You got to bear with me. I had to, uh, I forgot my cheaters. So we found a pair in mom and dad's house that belonged to Drew. And his head is bigger than mine, so these might fall off while I'm speaking today. He stretched them all out and good for me, but uh, it is good to be here today. I do count it a privilege uh, to be here to share the pulpit with him. It's nerve-wracking to speak in front of him and mom and dad and family. Uh, people at home, they're already used to me, and so they, they know what to expect. So this is all new to me, being somewhere else and speaking but you just pray for me that God will just anoint me and to deliver what he has laid upon my heart. Can I tell you this morning that I, I am proud of this church. I am proud of this church. And I'll tell you why. A lot of churches don't take care of their pastors like they should. And I know that you've been, uh, Drew and Shelley has been, I'm just going to call them Drew and Shelley. I can't call them pastors. Not, no disrespect, but it just hard. I'm cutting out a word. It's just Drew and Shelley instead of pastors, Drew and Shelley. It's harder. Anyway, the opportunity that they have to be here as pastors and be full time is an amazing thing that, that, that God has blessed them with. And I commend you, the church, for allowing that to be uh, so this morning. You guys are. A while ago, Drew said something about you guys being crazy, crazy Pentecost. And it made me think of Ronnie Henson said uh, that somebody come up to him and said, there ought to be a place to put your kind. He said, you know what, Mama, I was talking to Jesus today, and he says he does have a place for me. So he does ha have a, a place for the crazies this morning. Amen. Amen. It is good to be here this morning, and I just uh, love the Lord so much and thank Him for all His goodness and His mercy that I don't deserve, that I don't deserve. You and I could not earn it. We could not pay for it. There is no, no good deed that we could ever do to deserve the mercy and the grace of our Father. Amen. 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 Talking about Drew and Shelly being here, you know, uh, they've been coming to church here, I don't know how many years now, 17 years. You know, and they took over as pastor how many, four years, three years, two and a half, it seems longer than that. You know, if they would have been pa your pastors any sooner than that, or any later than that, it wouldn't have been right. It was God's timing. It was God's appointed time for them to be your pastor. How many know that God has his own timing? God has his own appointed, anointed time. Amen. Drew and Shelley took the, over as pastor at their appointed time. If they would have tried to force the issue, it would have been wrong. But God had a set a time aside for them to be pastors. We find that sort of timing of God's in the book of John, where, where God's perfect timing revealed itself to where 
someone got a touch that they needed. In the book of John chapter 4, we find this occasion. Jesus had been in Judea ministering and overseeing baptisms. And some opposition started to come his way. Opposition began to grow, and it was early in his ministry. But this opposition, they resented Jesus. They resented his popularity. They resented his message. He challenged their authority, their power, and their teaching. There was already a dislike towards Jesus early on in his ministry. There was already a hatred growing for him. So it looked like a really good time to move. Time to get up and go. People were coming at him. Have you ever had somebody just come at you and you're like, ah, it's time for me to go? This is what was happening to Jesus. Jesus had been ministering and uh, the opposition was growing and there was a lot of murmuring and complaining and uh, talk going around. So he thought this would be a good time for me to get up and get out of, out of town. A lot of church people find that same thing. But it's in a different way. Pastors preaching, start meddling in their, their sin, start poking around in their sin. They, <clears throat> I got a dry throat. It's a good time to go get a drink of water. <clears throat> but Jesus seen this opposition growing and he said, uh, it's time for us to go. So he, he gathers up the disciples and he says, it's time for us to go. We're, and he was going from Judea to Galilee. But in John chapter 4, this seemed like a, a simple trip in John chapter 4 and verse 4. Well, we'll just start in verse 1. The Bible says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Verse 5 says, Then he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied in from, with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth Hour. You can be seated. I'm going to ask my dad if he will pray for God's anointing over my life this morning. Amen. This trip that they were taking seemed like a simple trip of point A to point B. And I'm sure that's what the disciples had thought at this time. We'll just, we'll get up our gear and we'll go the normal route. We'll go the normal route. I don't know if Peyton had the map up there, but just for uh, my out, of, out of my curiosity yesterday, I looked at the map. If you look at Judea and you look at Galilee... There's a, something standing in the way, and that is the city or, uh, of Samaria, the area of Samaria. Now, the normal route for the Jewish people, because they wanted to avoid Samaria, they would cross a shallow point of the Jordan River over there by Perea and go around. 
or they would go by the coast of the sea to get around uh, Samaria. Samaria was not a place where normal Jewish people like to be. It was not a place where they were really uh, welcome. In today's vernacular, you would say they had a beef with them. There was drama between the Jews and the Samaritans. So anytime they could avoid going through Samaria, that's what they would do. There had been a long-standing hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans, and I won't go into a lot of it, but, but when uh, uh, the Jewish people were taken captive, they intermarried, and, and the Jewish people thought that they had uh, disgraced their race, and so they didn't want to be around a mixed race of the Samaritans. It was a deep-rooted hatred. They felt like they had been betrayed because they had intermarried with their captors. So they didn't want to go through there. Like I said, there was, there was trouble. There was, there was a beef there. So they did everything that they could to not travel through the area of Samaria. And for Jesus say, to say he needed to go through Samaria, there must have been some questions in the minds of the disciples. Like, Lord, are you sure about this? You know about these people, right? We, we, uh, that's not people we hang out with. Now, that's not recorded in the scripture, but you know they were talking among themselves. What is Jesus doing here? We can't go through Samaria. But Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. There is a need for me to go through Samaria. The disciples probably had questions. Sometimes when God speaks something into your life, not everybody is going to be on board. Not everybody is going to see God working the way you do. Not everybody is going to give you their blessing when you say, I got to go. I believe if the disciples would have said, Jesus, we're going to go ahead and go around. Jesus said, I'm going through Samaria with or without you. He had a special reason to go through Samaria. Jesus had a divine purpose and reason and timing to go through Samaria. In these verses, Jesus had been traveling for a while and now was wearied from his journey. And as fate would have it, he rests at a, at a well. Don't you love how fate just works things out? No. Fate had nothing to do with it. It was God's divine timing. It was God's appointed, anointed time for Jesus to set at this well. He sat down at a well where a woman of a poor reputation was coming to get water. Scholars tell us that people would get their water normally twice a day. They would get, come in the morning and sometimes in the evening to get their water. But this woman came at an unusual time. It wasn't a normal time to come at the sixth hour. But Jesus and his father had already ordained this sixth hour. I don't know what had happened in her, in her house where she had this sudden need of water at the noon hour. But some people say that she probably came by herself because of her reputation. 
We know this woman's reputation. She had already been married five times, and the man she was living with was not even her husband. So people in that town probably had a lot of talk, a lot of things to say. These normal hours where people would come was probably uh, their gossip hour. They say that uh, they tell us that women mostly went and get, got the water. So this is probably their, their gossip hour. All right, let's get our buckets. Let's go get water and gossip. So this woman didn't get with this group of gossipers. She didn't get with this group of backbiters. She went by herself. She was a loner. She was an outcast. She was unwanted. Sometimes we look at people in society and say, I don't want to have anything to do with those people. Us good, loving Christians, we see people and say, no, I don't want to, I'm not going to take my time for them. This woman had nobody to go with her. She didn't have a companion to go with her. The, the man she was living with didn't go with her to get water. She didn't have any kids to go with her to go get water. She didn't have any friends with her to go get water. She was by herself. She was by herself. She came at the sixth hour. Like I said, I don't know what the sudden need for water was. Or maybe she just didn't want to gather with that group and hear how bad a person she was. Maybe she didn't want to hear the gossip. She didn't want to hear everybody talking bad about her. So she went by herself. Little did this woman know that the master was there, the savior was there. When this woman got to the well, she had no idea that her life was about to change for eternity. She had no idea she was about to have a divine intervention. <clears throat> she had no idea that she was on a collision course with Jesus the Savior. Amen. She probably thought, I'll get my pot, I'll get my containers, and I'll go to the watershed, and I'll get water. Now, the watershed's where we go get fresh water at home. We, we live, and we have a well, and our water's terrible, so we have to go out to the plaza and get a watershed. So I'm guessing this woman, she was going to the watershed to get her water. She went there by herself. She gathered up her things and probably said, I'm going to go and do this quietly so nobody sees me, nobody bugs me, and I'm going to get my water and get back to the house. I'm going to get my water and get back to the house, and I'm going to be able to watch Dr. Phil, and maybe Dr. Phil can straighten out my life. She had no idea that Jesus, the only one that could straighten out her life, was already sitting at the well waiting on her. He was waiting on her already. She didn't know that the Savior, Jesus Christ, was already at the well waiting for their divine meeting. He was the one and only one that could fix her life. And he was waiting on her. Sometimes we keep waiting on God. You ever watch people do jump rope? I think it's called double dutch where you get two on the end and two in the middle. They wait for the timing to jump in. Sometimes we do that with God. We're looking for the right place to jump in. God said, just get in. Stop waiting. 
I'm here already. Jesus was already at the well waiting for her. Jesus is always on time. Jesus is waiting on us. This woman didn't have a stroke of good luck. It wasn't a good break. For whatever reason she had to go to the well, it was an appointed time by God. God caused something to happen in her life to get her to the well. Amen? I want to give you three little quick points right here about God's timing. First of all, this woman was a Samaritan, a member of a hated mixed race. Secondly, she was known for living in sin. And thirdly, she was in a public place where no respectable Jewish man would ever talk to a woman under these circumstances. But that didn't matter to Jesus. Amen? Verse 27 of that, of that chapter talks about how the disciples were even, mar- they marveled that Jesus would even talk to them. Not only a Samaritan, but it was a woman that Jesus was talking to. They marveled. But in the time of God, Jesus showed up at the right time. Our God carved out a section of time for this divine encounter. You know why? Glad you asked. Because the gospel is for everyone. The gospel, the good news, is for every person. No matter what his or her race is, no matter the past sins, no matter the social standing... The gospel is for everyone. Amen? Jesus crossed all barriers to share himself with that woman. And today he is crossing all barriers to give himself. He crosses all barriers to give to those that need living water. She came for the physical water. She came for the temporary water. She would have drank of that water and it wasn't going to be long. She's going to be thirsty again. My son Jordan up here, he is a runner. And I went and picked him up yesterday and he was just gross because it was 87 degrees out and he was just soppy wet with sweat. He was thirsty. But the water he he got back at Granny's house was just a temporary fix. We're looking for a temporary fix in our lives with our problems. We're looking for a now to get me by kind of thing. Jesus had water. Jesus had living water that was going to last this woman a lifetime. Not the temporary water. He had an appointed time with this woman. God's appointed in time including. Can I just share with you this God's appointed time in everybody's life is different. Our appointed time, pastor's appointed time, here in Greenbrier started way back in 1985. 1985. My grandpa found some land up on Lane Blong Road. He tells my dad, I found some land for you. Now, we didn't have a lot of money. Did we, Drew? No, we didn't. Five dollars a week didn't go very far. God had carved out some land up on Lee Blong. 
My grandpa found that land, and it was where dad could afford it. $100 down, they're, they're disputing whether it was $107 or, $100 or $109 a month, but that was something they could afford. So the appointed time for me even being here right now started back in 1985 with that plot of land in Greenbrier. We don't see it at that time. We don't have the vision that God does to know, hey, in, in 2021, you're going to be preaching before a group of people in Greenbrier. I would have said, no, Lord, no, that, that's not going to happen. You crazy. But it happened way back then. You should have seen us, though. When we had pulled the bus in, we were like green acres. Our phone was up on a pole. I'm not teasing. It was on a pole. We had grabbed the wire, and we'd drag it down to the bus, and that's how we would have phone. But it was God's timing. We had that property, I don't know how many years, 20-something years, and God's timing sent forth someone to my mom and dad to help them build a house. That just didn't happen by circumstance and coincidence. It was God's divine timing. God has an appointed time for each and every one of us. You might have those same feelings that that woman at the well did, that you're worthless and you need to just go and be in hiding and hide yourself. You might have feelings of hopelessness. But the creator of the universe today has set up this day, this hour, this very minute for you to be in this service. Hey, hallelujah. He has set this up for your encounter today. Jesus Christ is here for you today. You didn't get here by happenstance, coincidence. God purposed in his divine time for you to be here this morning. You didn't make it here on TFT, that TFT, just because we're so good looking and you had to come and see Drew and Shelley. God directed your paths. God got you up this morning. How many wanted to stay in bed this morning? Be honest. Come on. Wow, we need an altar call right now. I was tired when I got up this morning. It would have been easy to hit the snooze and stay asleep. But God made sure you rolled out of bed this morning to come get your blessing. Come get your healing. Come get your deliverance. He appointed this time for you today. You know... The, the, this story, the, something about this story I really love is how God cleared away the negativity. You ever notice that? In this story, verse 7, it said, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Then verse 8 says, For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy Meat. Jesus had already sent the disciples away. Because, like I said in verse 27, they were marveling that Jesus was even talking to her. If they would have been there when the woman come to talk to Jesus, they may have ushered her away. But Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria for her. For her. 
It wasn't like that Jesus wouldn't have found a sinner somewhere else on the other route. It wasn't like Jesus wouldn't have found somebody that was in need on the other route. But he said, this woman is in desperation for me and I'm going to go through Samaria for her. She may have been at the end of her rope. She may have been having thoughts of suicide and ending her life. And Jesus felt the need in his spirit. He said, I've got to go through Samaria. God is still showing up for those in need, for those who are in desperation, for those who are outcast and unwanted. Jesus is still showing up for them. Aren't you glad that one day that Jesus came to you? Kim, aren't you glad that one day that Jesus Christ saw fit to come to where you were? And said, I love you. I died on the cross for you. I took stripes on my back for you. I laid in an empty tomb, or I laid in a borrowed tomb for three days, and I rose again for you. He doesn't stop coming for people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This divine encounter. Might have been this woman's last chance. In the eyes of the world, she wasn't someone worth the time. But to a loving God, she was worth it. She was worth it. Can I tell you this morning, you are worth it. You are worth it. I recently met a man up in Ohio. who was one of the most wanted heroin dealers in all of the state of Ohio. I don't know how long he had been dealing drugs, but he was wanted pretty bad. They caught him. And he was facing a sentence with a minimum of eight years in prison. They put him in county lockup. And in the county lockup, they had a, a light in his cell. It was a dark cell, and they had a little light, but somebody had covered it up with tissue. And so it was driving him crazy, so he pulled out all the tissue to get to that light. And when he got to the light, there was words written on the wall that said, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. At that very moment, he had an encounter with the saving Christ. He fell to his knees and gave his heart and life to Jesus that day. Oh, you think that's good enough. That's not the rest of his story. He wound up going to, before the judge. There was all sorts of delays with his sentencing. When he got before the judge, he confessed to everything and apologized for everything. And the judge says, I've never seen anything like this. And I got to sentence you. Otherwise, I, I want to let you go, but I got to sentence you. He sentenced him to eight months instead of eight years in federal prison. When he got to prison, they said, what are you even doing here? You're not even going to be here but a couple weeks and we're sending you to a halfway house. The church he had started going to prophesied to him and said, you're not going to prison for eight months, maybe six weeks. He served six weeks and two days because they wouldn't release him on the weekend. God moved in his life. 
He went back to that prison and was going to speak at a chapel one day. Give his testimony at chapel. When he got there, he was in his street clothes. And the man said, that was in charge of chapel, said, no, you can't speak today. You need to look better than that. You need to dress better than that. What a fine Christian gentleman. So he didn't get to give his testimony. That next Sunday, someone else was in charge of chapel and invited him to give his testimony again. At that Sunday service, at that chapel, he gave his testimony. In that audience was a Muslim man. Someone serving a false god. A god of hate and murder. After he got through speaking, this Muslim man came up to him and said, What you said today has changed my life. I give my heart and life over to your Jesus Christ this morning. See, he could have spoke on Tuesday, but it wasn't God's timing. God used something and cleared it out of the way for him to get there on Sunday for a Muslim man to give his heart and life over to Jesus Christ. Isn't that good timing by God? Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. God changed Tuesday to Sunday so he could speak to this non-believer. This man that was headed to a devil's hell serving a false God. Because God said, I got to get to that prison today. I got to put him in this cell. He's got to pull out that tissue. He's going to give his heart to me. Then he's going to go to prison. Then he's going to minister to someone that doesn't know me. And someone's life is going to be changed. That's God's timing. When you think about that, look at all the trouble God goes through just to get to us. We hide, we run. There's a song by Chris August that said, when I run from you, I'm running to you because God's everywhere. Never thought of it that way, did you? God's everywhere and he's chasing us. He wants us. That's the beauty of it, that God wants us. In that chapter... In chapter 4 and verse 25, it says, The woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. It's me. You know, she was the first one he revealed himself to. Someone that the world had thrown away. She was on the trash heap of society. But Jesus said, I got to go through Samaria. Because, Shelly, would you come? Not because she deserved it. But because she is God's creation. 
There are children in, all over this nation who have no self-worth. They have no self-esteem. They think that they are worthless. In many cases, they're told that they are worthless. But my God says, you're my children. You're my children. We are his children. We are his creation. And he loves us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we have done. We are worth it. We are worth the trip. Jesus has said today, can I tell you? He has said today, I have to get to TFT. There are people there today that need me. You may think, I invited this person to be at church with me today, and they didn't come. That was the distraction God wanted to weed out so you could get what he has for you today. You are his creation. You are his beloved, and he came here for you today. This is your time. This is your time today. Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus made sure that he got to Samaria. He purposed in his heart to get to Samaria. He's done the very same thing today. He has poured out his spirit already today. And can I tell you, if you didn't get what you came for yet, don't leave. Don't leave until you meet the master. He's at the well waiting for you right now. The living water is waiting for you right now. There, there's a professional wrestler who says, you want some, come get some. We can use that today. You want some of Jesus, come get some. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. Shelly, would you sing?